Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Good morning, everybody. So uh, hopefully we've we've got everyone on and welcome to our Christian Fellowship Community Forum session number seven. And I'm pleased to say Bob and Kathy Urkel uh, will be sharing with us today. I'm Ron Jolson. I'm your host uh, for this morning. And so now it is my pleasure to introduce Bob and Kathy Urkel and also Bill Hull. And I'll start with Bill. Uh, as many of you already know, Bill is a well-known author. He has taught in over 50 countries, uh, and he was has been our learning guide for the last year, uh, during the last year's Christian leader study. He's, a, he's an insightful man of God. He has truly blessed our leadership meetings and so thrilled for to sure. have him here again. Uh, and then Bob and Kathy... <laughs> Um, started Urkel and Urkel really from scratch. And they, they both graduated magna cum laude on the same day in 1985 from Minnesota, Minnesota State University. Uh, and it was during college that Bob started working with Northwestern Mutual as a college intern. Uh, and then Kathy joined NM as a full-time rep in 1985. So within a year, they combined their forces to create the team of Urkel and Urkel, which was very clever. And this way, they will never forget the name of their firm, which I think is brilliant. <laughs> and Kathy's name is first. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. Their practice serves over 350 full-time financial planning clients. Uh, Bob has had numerous awards, including qualifier of the Million Dollar Roundtable every year since 1989. They have three grown children. Uh, and I believe you also have seven grandchildren, which is means you and I, we, we have the same number of grandchildren. We are way too young for that, but we do. <laughs> um, anyway, I have really enjoyed Bob's insight in our leadership meetings. Uh, I, he's he's definitely a spirit filled man. And, and it's been so exciting to hear what you've had to say over the last few weeks. And now I can't <clears throat> wait to hear what both of you have to say this morning. So with that, we welcome uh, Bill and Bob and Kathy and Bill, I'm also going to say that uh, belated happy birthday to you. Um, if this were a birthday greeting, it would be late. But since it's a belated birthday greeting, it's actually right on time. Right on time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Ron. And it's you? good to welcome Urkel and Urkel and all the other little Urkels. Okay. <laughs> uh, We've been looking forward to this very much. Those of us who know you, uh, Bob and Kathy and uh, today's subject you've called the eye of the storm or in the eye of the storm, seeing God in times of trouble. And my mind immediately went to that book by C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. Uh, all of us struggle with this issue. And, uh, and today you're going to talk to us about that. And so let's just start... Let's start with your guy's story about, you know, everybody has a spiritual formation. Uh, how were you formed spiritually uh, as individuals, uh, as a family? So why don't we just start there? And I'm going to leave it to Urkel and Urkel to lead out. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks, Bill. 
Now, first of all, Ron, we beat you because we haven't updated our website. We have eight grandchildren. So <laughs> there's, a new, there's a newer one now. Um, but uh, Bill asked for our origin story, I guess. And so we're going to give you our origin story. Um, I, I accepted Jesus as my savior when I was a child. I can remember a vacation Bible school coming down the aisle, going to the altar. I remember the event. I don't I can't tell you the exact date, but I remember the event and um, and went on just in my life and my my Christian family, just a great um, teaching, solid uh, teaching, memorizing scripture, doing all of the things that I needed to build a strong Christian foundation in my life. And um, and that was something that uh, certainly I continue to look back on uh, over these years. And um, and but when I was a teenager, I had this um, godly prayer. I was a teenage girl. I'll remember this. Oh, Lord, just give me a cute boyfriend. I need a cute boyfriend. Wow. <laughs> so I prayed and God sent me yeah. <laughs> this Lebanese boy from my neighborhood. And um, no, we started dating when we were 15 and 16 and we got married when we were 19 and 20. And um, and so the rest is kind of history from there. But I do want to tell you a piece of art my origin story that has to do with the Christian fellowship community. When we were in our um, early twenties, uh, I think it was the first year that we had been to the annual meeting. We were invited to the Christian fellowship breakfast. And uh, I walked in the door and God literally just, um, it was such an emotional time. I started to feel really emotional. I knew at the moment I walked in the door that I had walked away from my faith, wandered away is maybe a better way to term it. And, um, and I knew I needed to get back. Um, I, we hadn't heard the program, the speaker, the music or anything yet. I just, when I walked in the door, that event was prayed up and God used that time to, um, to call me back to him. Um, so I was so emotional. I went to the women's bathroom at the Hyatt Regency in Milwaukee and two of my Christian friends followed me there as they, as women, we kind of like to gather together. And, um, and they asked me, where are the tears coming from? And I said, well, I know I've, I'm off. I've strayed from my Christian walk and I need to get back. And I know that my husband is not a Christian. And so right there at the Hyatt Regency in Milwaukee at the Christian Fellowship Breakfast, we prayed for Bob that he would become a believer. So this is 1985, July of 85. We had just graduated from college together. Uh, and the announcement was, uh, Tony and Steve proudly announced the graduation of their parents, Bob and Kathy Urkel. And so anyway, so we graduated from college and I was, I knew about God, knew about Jesus, but I for sure wasn't following him and, and pursuing him. And I hadn't committed my life to him, but we had gone to church in a small town where we were living and we moved up to the cities and we were looking for a church. And so we visited a number of different churches and one of the churches had some people stop by and visited us and tell us a little bit more about the church and get to know us a little bit. And then they asked me a question, which was, Bob, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And I said, yeah, probably. And, uh, and they said, well, why do you think you'd go to heaven? And I said, well, I'm a good guy. I'm, 
kind to others. Uh, I work hard. I don't think I said I was an American, uh, but I probably could have thrown that into it as well. Um, and they said, well, Bob, that's great, but that isn't what it takes uh, to go to heaven. And they said, it is, uh, you can't earn your way. And I said, well, I appreciate that. And so we had a conversation and, uh, and then God kept knocking on my door on multiple different spots. And uh, so he was kind of moving me along. And then a client of mine invited me to a men's dinner and he said, Bob, it'd be a great dinner to come to. We got a speaker and uh, it'd be a place to do some networking. You could probably meet some future clients. And remember, I'm a brand new rep, just moved to the cities. I could really use some clients. So I'm like, yes, include me. I'd love to come. So, so I go to that dinner and the man who spoke had uh, started a company in Minnesota. It grew incredibly fast, incredibly successful. And virtually overnight, within a couple months, the company went into bankruptcy. And he went into a really deep depression because his life was based on this company and the success of it. And he talked about how he had given his life to Christ. And Christ literally pulled him out of that depression. And he was really just sharing a story. And it was at that dinner that I said, okay, you've knocked on my door enough times. I'll hand my life over and I'll follow you with it. And I can look back today and say, I don't, I didn't fully get what that completely meant, but mm -hmm. he took that little seed that was planted and he's been growing it ever since. And it's been an adventure. It's cool. mm -hmm. so, so you guys, went from Urkel and Urkel to Urkel and Urkel and some other Urkels. Yeah. And so let's, let's go to that part of your life and what, what <laughs> was going on next? Well, um, we just kept um, growing our family and continuing in this business. And, and I'm going to fast forward all, sure. all of that because <laughs> uh, there'd be, we'd need a few hours to get through all of it, but to save time, um, we had uh, kids early. And so we had, uh, and our children had kids early. And so that's why we're today with uh, eight grandchildren. Um, but the, but the story is, is about some of the struggles and struggle, mm -hmm. struggles and challenges and heartache in our life, which we all have. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we're planners and in our life, we plan for the future and we help our clients plan for the future. And there are things in our life that we can control. And there's a much bigger list of things in our life that we can't, <laughs> that we can't control. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do when trouble comes your way? What do you do when heartache shows up? And so in John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might have trouble. He says you will have trouble. Will. Mm -hmm. you know? And we had a pastor recently at our church uh, gave a sermon, and he said, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. And uh, 
And sometimes there's years between those storms. Sometimes there's days. If you have one storm today, it doesn't mean there won't be another one a week later. Uh, so how do you prepare for the storms that are going to come your way in your life? Because they are inevitable. They will show up. Yeah, the beautiful thing about John 16, 33, where Jesus says, in this world, you have trouble, is that it's sandwiched between peace. He says, I tell you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And then he says, in this world, you may have trouble. And he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So that trouble is sandwiched between peace and victory. I love that because otherwise we're doomed. Yeah, <laughs> we're if the doomed. story was we're just doomed. you're going to have we're trouble. Doomed. Bummer. Bummer. Um, That would not be a good message. So today we're going to tell you a story about a tragedy that happened in our family. And our prayer is that God will help you to see him in this story, that you will know him better. And um, when something really bad happens, you kind of tend to want to pack it away and not talk about it. And um, and we do we revisit things on the you know anniversaries um but kind of digging back into this story for us is actually kind of a um it helps us to process it it helps us to remember what god has done and so thank you for allowing us to have yeah. this kind of group therapy yeah. session here um but we did practice it a lot so that we can make it through it without super emotions but um, our story starts before the storm happened. Um, in September of 2016, a friend of mine sent me a um, sermon from a pastor named Levi Lusco. And Levi Lusco's sermon was entitled Through the Eyes of a Lion. And in his sermon, he described how he had four daughters, four young daughters, and his five-year-old daughter, five days before Christmas, suffered an asthma attack, and she passed away. Uh, He talks about that tragedy in his life from the perspective of that God honored him with this, uh, walking through this tragedy with him in, um, in real time. And my daughter, so I shared, my daughter had, my daughter Julianne has also has four daughters. And so I shared with her the sermon in September of 2016 and her and I unpacked the sermon. We just talked about it in detail. We talked about every scripture that Pastor Levi had discussed. We talked about the idea of being honored with pain or with suffering. Um, My daughter and her husband are missionaries. They've lived most of their married life in Africa. And when they were in Africa, They uh, one of their daughters suffered a seizure and they thought that she had passed away. It was such a severe seizure and on their way to the hospital. And I put that in quotations because the hospital there were in a very remote area and hospital is very different than what you're thinking of a hospital. And she said that this sermon made her kind of process through the trauma of that event, thinking that God was using that to help her to process. But she thought, what if my, my granddaughter's name is Trinity. She said, what if Trinity had died? What would I have done? And she processed through that in detail. And so that little did we know was preparing us for a trial that we had not been in. Pastor Levi says in that sermon, Prepare yourselves now for the trial that you are not yet in. So um, 
we um I'm sorry, this no, is going to a little bit hard. It's okay. Um, in 2016, Julianne and Eric were living in Arizona. Eric was in seminary doing some additional training. And um, and on the morning of May 16, 2017, eight months after that sermon, uh, we got a, I got a phone call at my desk at work in Minnesota from Eric. And he said, Kathy, pray. And his voice was distressed. I knew there was something bad going on. And I said, um, what's happening? He said, they're taking Kylie to the hospital. And um, in the ambulance, Julianne is following in the police car. And, um, and I'm here with the other kids. And our granddaughter, Kylie, was one year old at the time. She had just turned one and she had toppled upside down into a five gallon bucket that had about six inches of water and dirt in the bottom of it. And um, my daughter immediately started CPR on her and they called the paramedics right away. And that was the beginning of this journey through this storm. Um, I asked Eric what, before I hung up on the, uh, from him on the phone, I said, Eric, um, how bad is it? And he said, Kathy, it's bad. I don't think she's going to survive. And we're, we have a family business, a lot of Urkel's in it. My son, Steven works with us. My daughter-in-law, Robin works with us. And so, Kathy called us in her office and said, explained what happened. And um, we just started praying. And um, and, uh, and it was brutal. I mean, and then we called my daughter, Julianne, and uh, she was in a police car following the ambulance. You could hear the siren. Um, she was wailing. And, uh, and she said... I think, I think she's dead. And so uh, we prayed with her all the way to the hospital and, um, and they continued to work on her at the hospital. They did get her heart restarted uh, on her own. And uh, it had been like 45 minutes from when the accident happened to when they got her heart restarted. And one of the doctors, um, said, um, we think she'll live a couple hours. You should just lay down, um, hold her, be with her. And, um, and, uh, so that's what she did. She got in bed with Kylie and, and held her. And, um, and my son-in-law Eric is back at the house because he's with the girls. And so talk about maximum pressure. Um, and we were just crying out and saying, Lord, save our, save our granddaughter. Now, this is a hard story for us to revisit. And our message is, is um, that you will see in this story how God is always with us in the midst of the most terrible of trials. Second uh, Corinthians four, seven and nine says that this, the power that all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And it's a, it, the apostle Paul says we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, crushed 
We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. That is what we're experiencing in this. After that call from Eric that morning, I just said to my my son um, in the office, I said, get me on a plane to Arizona. I don't care about if we got it. I got to go now. And so um, we we were out the door within an hour. Bob took me to the airport as we were driving to the airport. We were praying. And part of the prayer that I I breathe, I it was just kind of a. It's just kind of a throwaway prayer. Give me someone to pray with on the airplane. So um, I got on the plane. I was seated in a center seat and there was a woman on my right and a woman on my left. And I, I got a call as the people were the rest of the passengers were boarding. I got a call from my other son who doesn't work with us in the business. And so he wasn't aware of any of this. And he said, well, it sounds like you're on a plane. What's going on? Where are you going? And I said, um, I said to him, Kylie had an accident and I'm going down uh, to Arizona to be with Julie and Kylie right now. And he said, well, how bad is it? And I said, you know, Tony, it's bad pray, just pray. And I got off the phone and the woman next to me, to my right, put her hand on my arm and she said, I'm praying for you. And I want you to know that my granddaughter's name is Kylie too. And I looked at that and I thought, God did this. He, he lined this up that this woman would hear my phone call, maybe because of the same granddaughter name, maybe because I I don't know, but I think God lined that up. And every time I would shudder or I would sigh or I would shake, she would put her hand on my arm and she would say, I'm praying for you. What a what what a way that God really shows me that he heard my prayer and that he was there with me. Yeah. And the woman to her left <laughs> never said anything the entire flight. She did. <laughs> Um, so God was just like, I see you, I see you. And so we're hard pressed on every side. Eric's at home. Julianne's alone at the hospital. Kathy's getting on a plane. I came back to clean stuff up and then fly, fly out that evening. And, um, while this was all happening, um, Eric's professor at the seminary that he was at in Arizona had had just arrived at the airport and um, and he had left the airport and I guess taken a wrong turn and ended up near the hospital. Uh, coincidence <laughs> and um, or not. And so at that time, his wife called him and said, there's been an accident. Julianne's at the hospital. Can you please go there? So he goes to the hospital and uh, Julianne is laying there with Kylie and he says, how can I pray? And she says, I think her spirit has left her. Pray that her spirit returns. And he said, okay. And so for the next 30 minutes, he just prayed, prayed scripture. And, um, and then Kylie started to move. She hadn't moved. And uh, and Julie yells out to the nurse, hey, she's moving. Nurse comes over and says, get out of the bed. <laughs> um, 
this changes things and they moved her into pediatric ICU. Um, She was really sick. She was really in trouble, but she was alive and um, they put her on a respirator so she could uh, breathe and uh, and they watched for seizures because that was probably one of the biggest concerns right now that she was she'd have a seizure. Um, but God was answering prayers. Uh, we were hard pressed, but we weren't crushed. Um, a few days after that, they did an MRI on Kylie's brain to see what kind of damage had been done in that the time from the accident to the time that her heart had started um, beating on its own. CPR was done that whole time, but there's still um, concern. And the neurologist came into the room and said to us, it is not often that I'm able to give this kind of good news to someone in Kylie's situation. But she said, I have to tell you that 95% of her brain was unaffected by the accident. Only 5% is affected. And there's no reason if we can clear her lungs, there's no reason that she wouldn't be able to live a normal life and function normally um, uh, her brain at that point. So that what we were waiting for is um, is for her lungs to clear. And so through all this, God just kept on showing up and saying, I'm here. You're not alone. I'm here. You're not alone. Um, Kylie started to stabilize after four or five days. And I thought, well, I should probably just go home for a couple of days, clean up some stuff and, uh, and come and come back down. So I did that. I got home at around midnight and my mind is just, and, um, so I'm not tired. So I thought, well, I'm not going to just lay in bed and not sleep. So I went in the office and thought, I'm just going to clear all the stuff off my desk that's been piling there. And so I came in the office for a couple hours and then I went home and I'm still going. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to go through the mail and it'll get me tired and I'll go to sleep. And in the mail was uh, this card. And the card came from some missionaries that we support. And, um, and I'm going to read it to you. And I want to remind you again, the accident happened on May 16th, 2017. The card is dated May 18th, 2017, two days after the accident. And um, the card reads, Dear Bob and Kathy, I want the two of you to know you are appreciated. And I ask the Lord to meet your needs this summer. May he strengthen you for your current heavy burden that I am not aware of. He had no idea what that card meant and what it was for. And God just used it to say, you're not alone. You're not alone. And we had people all over praying for us, praying for Kylie all over the world. Um, Julianne and Eric would tell the medical team at the hospital, we want you to know that people all over the world are praying for you, for for this medical team. And one doctor said, well, I'll believe it's all over the world when I hear someone from China is praying. And uh, shortly thereafter, um, one of the 
one of the missionaries that Eric knows, her church in China sent a message that they were praying for Kylie. (laughs) And so we had people on every continent praying for us, except we think Antarctica, although I don't know for sure, there might have been someone from (laughs) Antarctica praying. We just didn't know who, who they were. We had sometimes uh, I had friends who called me and said, I called my friend in Colorado to pray. And she said, I'm already praying because she had heard of it from someone else. And, you know, we are networkers. This is what we do. We are referral networks. We have. But this was God's network, people that he had lined up to pray and there are so many amazing stories from that perspective that we wouldn't even have time today to share with you. Um, late one night, um, I don't know, maybe 12, 13, 14 days into this, um, Kylie had a an extreme crisis with her respirator. It was um, very dramatic, very scary. Um, and Julianne was there with her and it was the middle of the night. And Julianne said, Lord, I need people to pray, but I can't wake people up in the middle of the night again to pray. She said, Lord, you will need to wake them up to pray. Um, there was two major crises that night. Um, in the, the, on the next day, Julianne received a call from, a, uh, uh, from someone who had said, I was woken up in the middle of the night. I laid face down on my floor and I just cried out to the Lord for Kylie. I got a call from a neighbor of mine. She said to me, she said, I don't know, but she said last night, she said, God woke me up in the middle of the night. She said, I got down on my knees next to my bed. And she said, I haven't done that since I was a little girl. And she said, I just prayed for Kylie. And I thought, this is God calling people to pray who haven't connected with him. God was using this to connect people to him again and to pray for Kylie. For Julianne, when she heard that, she wept because God answered again in a pray in a, in a way that we couldn't have orchestrated. So and didn't orchestrate. God did. Um, we were not abandoned and we were we were not abandoned. God kept on yeah. showing us that he was there. Um, The dirt in the water just caused so many different organisms to cause so many different infections in Kylie's lungs. And they were doing, they would try different antibiotics to see what ones worked on the different infections. And there was a point where they said, she, we're, we can no longer help her from this direction. We need to put her on a lung bypass machine that will allow her lungs to heal, they won't work. The lung bypass machine does the work of the lungs. Um, And that machine is called ECMO. And we knew that ECMO came with a lot of um, risks because they had to thin her blood. They, um, it comes with the risk of bleeding. It comes with the risk of of, uh, clotting. Clotting. It comes with the risk of stroke. And so we knew that that was, um, that was a, a step forward to try to help her. But we also knew that was kind of the end of the line 
um, in there terms of what ne- they there could. There wasn't a next option. Step. And so, but ECMO did start to help her. We did see improvements in her lungs. She started to, her lungs started to clear. I'm talking to micro steps. When we were doing the, you know, when we're sending out emails, prayer emails, it was hard to not be too celebratory or too dramatic. And so we're kind of um, on this razor's edge of making sure we're communicating properly, but she was improving after ECMO. And that was so awesome. Uh, During that time, I had remembered a teaching that I'd heard many years ago about Daniel and Daniel 10, where um, where it said that Daniel had started praying and that but God didn't come and meet him until a time later because there was a battle in the heavenlies that God was fighting. And um, and so. I thought, okay, well, how long was that? What was that? What was that time period that that Daniel had to wait? And so I looked it up in Daniel 10, um, 10, 12. And it said, um, it said that the angel said to Daniel, I heard your prayer on the first day, but I was delayed in the heavenlies for 21 days. And I thought, oh, Lord, we can't wait 21 days. Heal her now. Heal her now. And we talked about this uh, quite a bit at the time it was happening. We did. We all talked about it. We all talked about that 21 day story from uh, from Daniel. And um, so on June 3rd, um, Kylie ended up um, having a stroke. The thing we didn't want, the thing we were trying to avoid and um, hard pressed on every side. And uh, the stroke caused damage that would now change her life. And uh, Eric and Julianne um, needed to make some decisions. Um, That's what the doctors said. They would need to think about making some decisions. And um, she was really unstable. And so they decided hey, we're going to bring the girls in again and have them um, see Kylie, the three girls. And they didn't know if this was going to be the last time that they would see them, see her. And so they brought her, they brought the girls in for a visit. They came and went home. And then uh, Kylie kind of stabilized a little bit, just a little bit. So there was some calm in the midst of the storm. Yeah. Um, I think it's two nights, one or two nights later, um, I stayed at the hospital with Julianne. Um, it, it was a restless night. There wasn't much sleep because there were so many people coming in and out of Kylie's room. And it's not unusual for nurses to come in and out of the room in the middle of the night, but it's very unusual for doctors to come in and out of the room. And we knew that because there were so many doctors coming in and out that something bad was happening. And um, that night, uh, Kylie suffered a massive stroke and it was um there was it damaged her brain to the point that there was no uh, hope for her um, from that point forward. The next morning, the medical team called for a family meeting, and we went into that meeting on um, and they June June fifth June fifth and they said that they could no longer keep her on ECMO because that lung bypass machine was no longer helping her. It was hurting her and they, they couldn't 
keep it, keep that machine on her. And my daughter said to the doctor, um, <clears throat> if you take ECMO off, she's, she will die. And the doctor said, we can't sustain her life off of that machine. And, um, <clears throat> The neurologist also said to Julianne, well, she said to us at the table, to the family, she said, when Kylie came into the hospital that first day, she was dead. She was brought back to life and you had an additional 20 days with her. She said, I don't know why. I don't know if that was for you or if it was for her, but you had this 20 days with her from uh, added on to that first day. And um when I was on the plane on my way to Arizona on the day of the accident, one of my prayers was for that. If God was going to take Kylie to, to heaven, that he would prepare the parents and strengthen their faith. And so I thought of that. I thought that that is an answer to prayer. But my other prayer was that they would not have to make a decision, a life or death decision regarding their daughter. And so that this also answered that because they, they didn't have to decide the hospital had decided. And um, that day was June 5th. And we all knew that that day was day 21. And we knew that God had answered the prayer that he had been delayed in the heavenlies for whatever reason. And that we are, um, and that God had answered and he was still with us. I thought we thought there was going to be a miracle. I thought the end of the story would be Kylie uh, survived this. And, um, but God's ways aren't our ways. And, um, but we know he was with us and we know that um, it brought so many people across the world to prayer and, uh, and trust in the Lord. And Kathy asked me a question in the midst of this, at the end of this, and said, um, does this shake your faith? And I said, no, it doesn't shake my faith because God cared for us. And I know my granddaughter is in heaven. And I know that I get to see her again, just not right now. Um. And then, sorry, uh, our focus now really need to be on my daughter, my son-in-law, my three granddaughters. And so we just prayed for them, God's comfort, protect their hearts. And um, that's where our next steps were. So, our, you know, our story started before the storm and it it continued after the storm. God kept on meeting us after the storm. And uh, several weeks after Kylie died, um, Julianne was reading through a devotional that someone had sent her um, as many, many gifts and books and uh, had come to them. She was reading through one of those devotionals that comes one reading a day, a, a verse a day, you know, on the calendar. And she sent me a text and it was just the picture of this devotional book. And it was from May 6th. 16th and um and the verse of the day on May 16th was Daniel 10 12 and 13 
And it's a do not be afraid since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. I have come in response to them, but I was resisted 21 days. And we knew even in the after God will continue to remind him, because sometimes when you're thinking through things, you think, oh, maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe this is But God continued to remind us that he was with us. And the sermon from Levi Lesko that we listened to eight months before this all started, he said, get ready for the trial that you are not yet in. I don't know how to get ready for the death of your daughter, the death of your granddaughter, the death of a divorce of any kind of unexpected tragedy. If you name it, how do you get ready for that trial? I don't know. What I do know is that you can't lay the foundation during the storm. And so the foundation of what I needed, what we needed, what we all needed to get through that trial was knowing God, knowing his word, and knowing and being known by his people. And that is what sustained us through that trial. God is so good. And um, he is so faithful to us. He's so faithful. <clears throat> when we were at Kylie's visitation, uh, uh, one of the visitors came up to Kathy and said, um, your faith is so strong. And Kathy said, um, it's sort of faith for dummies. And what she meant by that is God has showed up in so many different ways that I couldn't humanly explain. I can't humanly explain how Jeff sent me that note two days after the accident and, and had the words that he said that he didn't know anything about. I can't explain all the things that happened outside of God saw us, God cared for us and sustained it, sustained us uh, through this. Yes, we wanted a different outcome, for sure. But we have an eternal perspective that goes beyond this world. And um, the Apostle, Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. And I thought about this and I thought about in my life, in your life, the things that you see, the office you work in, the house you live in, the car you drive, the things you have, all of those seem real. You can touch them. You can see them. And they're all temporary. And everything you cannot see, everything that is ultimately eternal is the only thing that is permanent. It's backwards. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also correct. And so we don't fix our eyes on the trials. We fix our eyes on God and Christ as we go through the trials. And we know that as we face the storms in our lives, that he will walk with with us through them. And he for sure walked through them with us as we went through this storm in our life. Well, Bob and Kathy, you've given us so much. And I want to ask 
Is there one last thought? I don't know. I think you've already answered it. But is there in a couple of minutes here, do you have something you want to leave us with that you haven't said already? I do have um, one last. Uh, there's no breakout room. Everyone knows that. And so I'm going to put a challenge out to everyone that's on this call. And that is we've all had trials. Again, it's not a contest to see whose trials worse than someone else's, but we've all had trials where some of us are in the midst of them. Um, some of them are shortly behind us. Some are behind us many years, but what I would like you to do is I want you to do two things. The first thing I'd like you to do is write down on a piece of paper, the trial you're in or the trial you were, you were in. And if you haven't worked through it, dealt with it, process it, I'd also like you to write down the name of someone that you know and trust that loves and cares about you, that you could talk through and work through your trial. Because we all have trials. No one is immune. Um, and so don't go it alone. God uses people and he uses circumstances to help us and uh, help us through our struggles and through our storms. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I know it wasn't easy, but I know it really ministered to me and I know to so many of us. Thank you, Bob and Kathy and Ron. I'm turning it back to you. All right. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much, Bob and Kathy and all of you who participated. This was um, incredibly moving. And, you know, I think God can just continues to work through you, too. And, and now you've touched all of us and given us a lot to think about. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual.